Coming to you live from the high-rise mayor's office in the city of Creatives. It's New Amsterdam Radio. Hello, everyone. Flobo Boys back again to sit and chat with people who are moving and shaking in a good way. I mean, <laughs> in the world of creative arts. Uh, this w- week's episode is with Steve Kaufman. Uh, here's someone I alluded to two episodes ago when I sat down uh, with Alyssa Phillips. Because we both have a mutual friend and he is a genius Although he will definitely be coy, as you can tell, uh, once you get to the actual interview. Before I do, just want to say thank you so much for checking out this and all the other episodes in the New Amsterdam Radio Canon and checking out the relaunched NewAmsterdam.com website. There you can see all the shows that I'm working on. And those who have and you know, drop me a line of DMs or just sent me a text or an email saying, hey, man, I see you. I see what you're doing. Uh, greatly appreciated. As we enter the holiday season, I gotta say, there's two ways you can support the show, or three technically, if you're listening on Anchor, anchor.fm, just search for New Amsterdam Radio. You can donate right there on the platform, or you can become a member of the Boisterous Crew over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Boys. There is bonus content there, updates, show notes is a new feature where I will show you the questions I have planned for the guests on New Amsterdam Radio. You can see how sometimes it's said to a T, and how other times it's kind of goes in its own direction. So all that stuff and more is at patreon.com slash Boys. Join the Boisterous crew, and as we head to the holiday season, you can buy a t-shirt over at flobito.threadless.com. A lot of cool designs there. I have a couple because, you know, I, I like me, but if you like me, you can buy one for yourself. Uh, now that's out of the way, let's get on with it. Let's, here's it. let's give it up for Steve Coffin. Here's a guy that is a wrestling fan like me who's into content creation like me, but he has a twist I think you guys will all appreciate. Welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives, where we ask not only the why, but the how. We are live in the mayor's office, and I'm being joined by literally the smartest person that I know, Steve Kaufman. How are you doing, sir? I Don't ask me a math question. <laughs> I... <laughs> You have 12 cakes, and uh, I eat eight of them. <laughs> um, you would have nine cakes. Am <laughs> okay, I, close am enough. Am I right? Am I right? I don't know. Close the, enough, man. I, it's I, the I, funny man in me that wanted to get that math question wrong. It's actually... <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having me here. I was just, just going to do a bit about me and math for a second. Hey, man, I pride myself on my intros. I hope that wasn't too big. <laughs> uh <laughs> Well, the thing about New Amsterdam Radio is that we try to find creators from all different aspects, all different worlds, all different lives. But I think you're in an interesting case because mm-hmm. if you know, if someone just scrolls by your your social media, people will say, "Oh, you're just a host," but that's not the case, Steve. What do you do? I am a channel manager. Some would call it a digital producer. Um, for I would. I there we go. Well, I'll get into that in a second, but uh, I'll get into why I, I stick with channel manager, channel owner, channel operator, if you will, channel co-owner, to be very specific. I run uh, multiple YouTube pages for multiple pro wrestling podcasts. All of those, and you might be wondering, like, oh, you came from AfterBuzz, so podcasts like that where people appear on video like you're doing now? No, no. They don't do that. They put out the audio. Actually, the, funny enough, uh, adfreeshows.com, Conrad Thompson, um, I'm a... I'm jumping all over the place, but my, my clients are soon to be releasing their stuff on video, but only on their Patreon. Okay. Makes so sense. that doesn't change my business at all in spite of being their, you know, head of, head of video, if you will. 
It's like but I like, we have audio for the for the people who don't pay, and then our video is available. For oh, okay. Oh, you get it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, I I'll get into if I were hired an employee of my, the people I work for work with. Sorry, if I were the employee of my clients, I would call myself a head of video, a uh, digital producer. There'd be a lot of those a head of head of digital digital like digital executive like there'd be a lot of employer titles employer titles imply that you want another job right i don't actually want another job ever again this is it this is the this dream is, job or the the job that you're okay with the most in the sense that the title is effectively entrepreneur slash business partner yeah i i'm hoping i was november 2017 when i reached out to conrad thompson and i'll get i'm jumping but i'll i'll come back to that story I was selling t-shirts at the Pantages while Hamilton was happening. Oh. And you might be like, oh man, Steve, you were in the room where it happened. Funny, I was n no one was ever allowed to see the show. Because mm -hmm. it was sold out a million times. So I would hear, I would hear Hamilton all the time <laughs> while I sold t-shirts. So some would say I was outside the room where it happened. Yeah. Um, but my hope and prayer is that that's the last job I ever work. Right. And they, what they were, I'm they doing were now? Shirts, right? Yes, they were 100. Oh, oh, no, no, I was, I was still in the building. I was outside the bandages. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I was working for the production. I was still in. Okay. I was outside the theater, but inside the building. I should clarify. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> funny enough, funny enough, they there were a lot of people arrested in that first week for selling bootleg shirts on I Hollywood Boulevard, it. like because that's part of that's part of what Hamilton wanted when they came into town was like we don't want other people selling our selling our wares on Dine Street and then they were able to get it all taken down but that was the last like hourly wage kind of a job I hope to ever hold what I do yeah. now what I do now is I'm a partner to people who need someone to run a YouTube page and then instead of taking a salary or having traditional employment that way I just build the whole thing from scratch and then see a share of the revenue forever and so maybe if, whatever you can disclose that it's up to you how comfortable you are, but that's in your contract where you say nothing up front. Let me do the hard work mm. but in exchange for, I guess, the contract length or perpetuity. Is it kind of the, like the, the YouTube revenue or is there any other ancillary revenue streams? Um, YouTube net revenue is what I go after. But I also, I also say when I say YouTube net revenue, that means AdSense revenue. That means Super Chat revenue. That means if y'all ever want to do memberships, which is like Patreon, but exclusive to YouTube. Right. And I am trying my best to have a carve out where it's anything forthcoming. That's very clearly on the platform. Also content ID revenue. And it's net revenue based on any money the YouTube channel makes. So that would include if we were to sell a direct testimonial onto the YouTube channel. Okay. Obviously, if you have an ad sales rep that can handle that, we should pay that ad sales rep, and that'll come out of the net. But like, I've it's pretty clear it's been made pretty clear that like, no, no, you don't get to just place ads on our YouTube channel, and I've not really run into that problem. But yeah. but also, what that allows me to do is, I'm not there yet, but it would allow me to subcontract some of the lesser work to allow more opportunities and time for me and my time. To sure. maybe consult if, you know, if the owner of the Knicks listens to your podcast. <laughs> yeah. I just picked, I picked a random team. I don't know. 
Hey, it's kind of cool because hopefully New Amsterdam blows up to have my own network too, and I will definitely employ you. But let's talk about that inciting incident, right? Because most entrepreneurs have in a situation where they're, you know, they're they're in the, the diner and they're racking their brain, and someone has an idea on a napkin or the pipe bomb or whatever. Uh, but you say you sent an email out to Conrad Thompson and said, "Here's my shot," or was it something happened before then that made you go, "This is the path I'm taking"? I would call it two inciting incidents. One was I moved out here. I have a film degree. Moved out to LA to be an actor. What? Film gang. I, what? what? <laughs> um, nice screens. Like, yeah. I think you can tell from both of our shots. They're like, oh no, they're both film. Fil- yeah, man. Film, film dudes. Um, so I moved out here with a film degree. Decided I want to act, but also try to write and direct. I thought I was going to be not the next Kevin Smith, but like in the image of a Kevin Smith. What I realized is even someone like Kevin Smith, in order to really be an auteur like that, you have to have something to say. And <laughs> sure. I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that I came from such privilege that what I had to say wasn't wildly unique. So and that was as a writer, that was something a lot of my stuff that was a brick wall a lot of my stuff would hit is all my stuff would come from the perspective of a rather privileged un a rather privileged or rather well-off person, which is great if you're that person. It's boring if you're writing <laughs> if you're writing a character, and it's really difficult. Like, it's I think maybe now I would understand how to write someone losing something or overcoming something or sure. like the big the big stuff that you need to be a writer. But I wanted to be like a quadruple man band or one man band with all. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. One man band, but then like also. Like, oh, he auditions, he does that, he does this. And then I just got really sick and tired of auditioning. Because I worked plenty in Philadelphia where I'm from, and then I moved here. And to pay the bills, I would still work hourly stuff. And what I learned is in L.A., when it comes to jobs, there are so many people who move out here, try to try to audition for stuff, get a job at a Starbucks or a Best Buy, hold on to that job so much is the second they get any opportunity, they'll flake out on that job, they'll lose that job auditioning doesn't support you and then they go home right so there's a certain very unsteady labor force in los angeles that i came in here with that very blue collar mentality of like no no if you're gonna give me a job i'm gonna have this job and keep this job so i was in la versus other cities super reliable as an employee so i was always able to work the problem there is even if you're talking 12 or 13 dollars an hour part-time against the even the windfall money you could get if you audition and book a co-star a year well let me if you're not going to book a co the odds of booking a co-star a year you're a working actor at that point but you would have to audition a hundred times if you audition a hundred times you can't really be on someone else's schedule right and it was that push and pull to me that had always led and i was always looking for the angles early on of how do i make what i'm making at a best buy or working for a rental car company while also while while also having my own freedom and that's entrepreneurship comes in and it's like yeah but entrepreneurship you need like so i was trying to look for something in between like i'm an entrepreneur every moment of every day i need to get go out and get my own dollars right <clears throat> and employee which is all of that's taken care of i need to show up and do what they tell me <laughs> and i always wanted that middle ground of like i want to run my own stuff cuz i think it's for a di- it's a topic for a different podcast, but I think the in between is actually where a workforce can be the most productive. Because sure. I think people 
people aren't super motivated if you tell them how much they're going to make and then you create a bunch of dysfunction around them and then if you also if you promote them to where they're they're most mediocre most mediocre mm -hmm. but that's it once again that's that's a ted talk at this point but like <laughs> but I'll, I'll mention that in my head that was something that it always kind of baffled me that it was like how do i just make my money and then manage my time and then i'll be able to do whatever i want whether that's make go out and make more money or whether that's have vanity projects or do things like acting which will lose money as a business for at least five if not ten years on average right and like you need to have that much runway as an actor not to mention like come out of pocket to be better at it and that's where my head went and i eventually hit a wall i think it was the second time i went to ces that i had an awakening and i met a lot of people at it's consumer electronics show it's in las vegas, vegas and I, yeah, yeah and i met a lot of those folks there and like there were a lot of silicon valley types or a lot of Silicon Valley minded people who live elsewhere. Did you go and on your I, own? Like did you as an individual? Did you Uh my father and I. It was okay. I was a Sony rep at the Best Buy in West Hollywood. Okay. I'll shout it's been long enough, I'll just admit it. If I sold you a TV, <laughs> if I sold you a TV, you're welcome. It was um, you. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> um and I was one of their best employees. And there was talk that they were gonna send some Sony reps to CES, which I had always seen like pictures and video of CES from the outside, from Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it always seemed like a cool thing to do because, Flobo, I think you know me enough to know, I, I've never needed much of an excuse to go to Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you tell me there's $500 in a tree on Sahara, I I might be looking at gas prices. I might be like, I don't mm -hmm. know, man. Two tanks? That's it. Two yeah. tanks? $500? I can make that happen. And um, some grub? You're good to go, man. Wear a diaper? <laughs> like... like <laughs> So, the idea of going to Las Vegas the first week in January, the idea of being sent there by your job, like, was always super appealing to me. And then, I think one year, they didn't send anybody. And then the next year, they didn't send me. And I was really bummed about it, but not bummed enough to, like, completely change my life. And I was talking to my father, who who said, like, well, how, how much does it cost to get a badge at CES? Like, I don't actually know. And then that following summer, we go on the website and, like, I don't think I'm breaking the world to say that when the Consumer Electronics Show, which hosts hundreds of thousands of people, a conference that hosts hundreds of thousands of people over one week, the badge, at least for us, if you register in August for January, didn't cost any money. Yeah. And they didn't, they did ask for proof of where you work and what you do so much as they asked for a screenshot that proves you're not completely making something up. Right. So me, by that point, I was an AfterBuzz host, and I didn't learn until after that Maria Menounos was, like, on the board of CES. <laughs> oh, I didn't know so, that like, so, like, for me to just, like, send my, my profile as an AfterBuzz host to the CES page, to, the like, a screenshot of my profile to the CES people, I didn't realize that that name would hold weight. But also, right. like, my father works at the Philadelphia Water Department, and that worked, too. Oh, that's cool. So so we got badges. To answer your question, we I, I went because... Hey, it was cool cool to like spend time with your dad when he lives in Philadelphia, you live in Los Angeles. And it's also cool to just like hang out in Vegas at any time. But then it was really helpful to me to see keynotes from people who had a different who had that in between or sometimes the straight up entrepreneurial spirit that allow them to really thrive and really be productive. And it kind of changed my mindset as to how as as to how I should go about being employed. And I also 
because I have the advantage, I had the advantage in Los Angeles as being a reliable employee. So like people will knock down my door to, to give me some work right. to a certain, not that makes it to a certain extent. People no, will I knock down kidding. my, like people will not like, I think Flubba, you would probably know too, as a rely as a fellow reliable employee. Oh, thank you. If you don't flake out, word gets out, especially sure. around here. Cause they're like, so there's without even Googling it, I'd have to say LA County has on a non COVID timeframe has two, maybe 3 million people come yeah. through seasonally i'll say that not like they move here they try it out and then they leave and some of them come back some of them some of them stay around for maybe longer than that year but generally speaking i'd say there's a very cyclical population in los angeles and those are the people who are usually your baristas they're also the people clogging up the 405 which is another <laughs> reason to work from home right and i kind of decided that you know what like the I don't want to call them frontline jobs, but like the behind the frontline jobs will knock down the door to find you. And if you mm -hmm. absolutely need to pay rent, you can do those. And those aren't easy. Those aren't hard for you to find and land. Yeah. Those aren't what you want. You obviously don't want frontline jobs. And uh, that's not to say against essential jobs. I'm saying barista. I'm saying frontline yeah, yeah. job. Absolutely. Um, pay wise is all I mean. Uh, <laughs> and I decided, do you know what? You have, you've built yourself an incredible base financially that if you're pitching, your, like if you hear about the job on Facebook, if you see the job on LinkedIn, you don't want it. You mm -hmm. don't want it at all. What you want is someone on an executive or an ownership level to say, man, we should really get in on that YouTube money. And for me to somehow find a way to interject before that conversation goes to, well, what's the name of the position? What should they, what, what should their qualifications be? What should the job be? Cause then that's a job. I don't want a job. Right. I want, I, I, a job is a demotivator in the traditional sense as what would happen if, oh, let's write up a LinkedIn post. You've already thought too hard. You're cause at that point you're looking for an employee. You're not looking for Steve Kaufman. <laughs> right. And this was around, I would say 2015, 20, I think 2016. The January of 2016 was when I really devoted myself to any career-based position is what I, I started changing the mindset, changing the words. It's like any career-based position, if they are posting with, if they are posting it formally, they're not looking for you. Therefore, you don't want it. You, you can go back to selling TVs. You can go back to renting cars. You you're fine on jobs. That's very athlete of you. Like no one ever says, hey, are you looking for a point guard? It's usually like, I want to get in the whatever business, the yeah, like your business or the Tom Brady business. And I, and I wasn't, and I wasn't opposed to being snatched up by full screen, let's say, but I was opposed to, oh, well, full screen's looking for nine editors. You could do that, right, Steve? No. Right. I was also at this, t around this time, I was also editing a feature length documentary that never got released. Of course you were. <laughs> like, well, the film school, what? film school, I was the, I was the assistant editor. I swear I'm going to get to the inciting incident. Um, <laughs> I mentioned there were two. We're at the first one. Um, yeah, I film school, very good editor. Um, I was the assistant editor on an educational film before that. So I was working my way up through that world that like also gigs and like side jobs and just the kind of beer money that you could live on kind of work. Yeah. Those are, that's the other, like that was, I was always able to not starve. And then, uh, 
it was November 2017, and I had felt super bummed that I had to take this job at Hamilton. Nothing mm-hmm. against Hamilton, nothing against that job. Honestly, it was, one of the, it was one of the better jobs. It paid like a little less hourly than I felt I was worth. But it was also super seasonal. Like It's Hamilton. It's not going to be in town forever. Like you either want it or you don't. And like I'd really – also that was in August. The June before that, I I quit drinking. So I mm-hmm. guess – honestly, I guess all of those factors became one inciting incident that I realized what I wanted and didn't want. Right. Quit drinking – um, and then worked a job that I liked, but didn't like the pay. And that was enough for me to really like try to soul search. And like, I've always been a big listener of like a lot of business self-helpy podcasts. Like the guy Raz does the Ted radio or did the Ted radio R, but he also does one called how I built this. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a lot of, um, entrepreneurs and CEOs who come on and explain exactly step-by-step how they built their giant company like Lyft or Uber or Facebook. Well, Mark Zuckerberg's never been on, but like, <laughs> so like a lot of that like spins around in my head and then I'm just folding t-shirts, listening to Alexander Ham, the words of Alexander Hamilton, a, a guy who came here with literally nothing. And it's like, I still use a financial system he built and that's super motivating in my head. And then eventually when you work in the lobby of a musical, of a musical, even one of the greatest ones ever made, you eventually start just listening to podcasts while you do your work because you're like, I mean, it's Hamilton. I get, yeah. <laughs> if I'm not in there, lo- like if I'm not in there sharing the experience, it's just like, I've, yeah, that song, that song bops. They all bop. Like I'm over it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I started listening to podcasts. So my time to listen to podcasts became a bit more vast. And a year prior to that, someone had told me about something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. And it was Bruce Pritchard and uh, Bruce Pritchard, who was the right-hand man to Vince McMahon, all the way up through, don't quote me on the year, probably 07. That's all right. Like, within within reason, I'm pretty close. Like, But I'm saying, like, WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3, all the way up to 2007. So just for context, WrestleMania 2 was 1986. It's like, a long, like, my, yeah. practically my whole life. He oh. had already been in the wrestling business and was producing most of the stuff you'd ever seen. And then a gentleman by the name of Conrad Thompson, who is very much an avatar for us fans, but his background is very unique, that he before getting into podcasting at all, started a mortgage company. Mm-hmm. Still operates a mortgage company, still probably makes, I would say, the bulk of his money on a mortgage company. He's just found time through his passion to build a podcasting empire as well. And I remember feeling kind of down in the dumps. I'd, I'd also been at After Buzz about four years and was hitting a wall a lot of people hit there where you realize, similar to jobs, there are only so many hosting jobs available that they're posting that you could ever audition for or get. Yeah. Versus jobs you actually make for yourself. Like, there are plenty of those. Those You make them yourself. And I remember feeling super bummed, and then I found this podcast, really enjoyed this podcast, and then I was like, Conrad Thompson, I should follow him. And then I follow him, and then he immediately follows me back. And I'm like, oh, dope. Respect. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was said. <laughs> like, <Dope>. respect. <laughs> like, respect. Oh, yeah. Also, Conrad Thompson, before doing a podcast with Bruce Pritchard, had done a podcast with Ric Flair. Ooh. So, like, I had known... I'd known of him before that. I also felt I wouldn't be productive if I listened to his podcast, his podcast with Bruce Pritchard, which at that time would run three or four hours a week. Like depending on the topic, they just might, they'll go till they're done. So I was November. I posted it fairly recently. It was November where I really, also I didn't find them on the, that's what it was. I didn't find them on the podcast app. I found them on the YouTube app. Mm -hmm. I found clips on YouTube of something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. That's how I 
got turned on to the whole show. And then I downloaded it on um, iTunes because then you can lock your screen while listening to it because it's a right. podcast. And um, whatchamacallit, I was, I was getting into that catalog and then I was looking at the clips I was watching on YouTube and I was like, I don't really like these. Like usually, like they're low res thumbnails. They're low res thumbnails, no motion. And then the titles don't always match the context of the clip. And I'm like, I, I don't know, man. And then I made a sample and then DM'd Conrad Thompson on Twitter and was like, hey, do you think there'd be any mark? Do you think there'd be any place for me to do something like this? By the way, the sample is nothing like what I wound up doing. Right. But he was like, sure. And then we talked it out a little and then we talked it out a little. And then he was like, okay, Dave Silva, give him, give Steve the passwords. And then they gave me the password to their official Twitter, or sorry, their official uh, YouTube page, and it was none of the YouTube pages I was watching. Yeah. Those were, the whole market that I found were people pirating his podcast. Wow. So I spent the other, the back half of November 2017 building their archive on YouTube, which is something to wrestle.com. Please go there. Um, <laughs> but building out that archive and uploading all the whole episodes while also DMCAing every pirate clip. Got to. Cause and so very early on I realized, hey, I'm gonna make a hate I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make at least one hater this way. Cause the way YouTube's content ID like the way YouTube's claims system works is that if I claim twenty videos on your channel, they will take your channel down. Mm -hmm. So all I want is the videos off of YouTube. And what winds up happening is that dude's whole channel goes away. Right. So I'm like from day one, I'm making haters. It was. <sighs> Can't believe it, Steve. Can't believe it. But you're a nice guy. <laughs> I, but I am, a, I am a nice guy. I hope people <laughs> who've heard me bloviate this far can, can sense I have no ill will. It's that you, YouTube does this a lot where they'll, they'll very clearly act. Like I didn't ask to have this person's channel taken down. I'd asked for them to take down, take my stuff down off their channel. There is a contact me page through, or there was at the time a DM between channels method, but that never actually worked. Right. Like no one, like it, you never got a notification. It was hard to find. That's why they, that's why they took it away. So I created a bunch of haters, <clears throat> excuse me, but then also, um, built a juggernaut of a channel. I think by that point they had had like 60 episodes and one of them was the Jim Cornette episode. One of them was the Vince Russo episode. One of them, was the Austin Walks Out episode, which if I were to look at my top revenue earning episodes every month consistently, it's still those three. Yeah. Like those three are in the, pardon my, <clears throat> pardon my pun for a show your listeners may not have heard, in the top five. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love it. But that was, sorry, that's, I got, I went all over the place, but those were the two inciting incidents. I real, maybe three. I realized I didn't necessarily want to be someone's employee. I quit drinking and then I DM'd Conrad Thompson saying, can I run your YouTube page? And then got a bunch of success, mainly on his back, mainly creating a vacuum and immediately creating a vacuum by taking down all the pirated content and then immediately filling that vacuum with the official content. And then I'll be very honest, because that's what we're here for. It took me eight months to figure out what I actually did right. Yeah. Maybe 12. Honestly, it took me, it took me 12 months from there. So this would have been December 2018, or sorry, December 2017. It took me till about November 2018 before I was like, no, I, I get the hang, like, 
I know what the tags and the titles and the thumbnails and all the stuff on YouTube actually means. So right. I was afforded I was afforded a very incredible opportunity to learn as I go because mm-hmm. it was something because I finally found what I wanted, which was. Conrad wasn't looking for a channel manager. He wasn't looking for a head of video. He wasn't looking for a digital producer. He had maybe an errant thought that like, man, maybe I should make some money on YouTube. And then it was errant. And then I found him and pitched me and my services. And now I'm in the Conrad Thompson business and Conrad Thompson's in the Steve Kaufman business. <laughs> yeah, dig it, man. That's, that's amazing. And, yeah. That's, I think that's the whole story. Also, it's worth mentioning he had another podcast with a gentleman named Tony Shivani that I took over that channel around February. Um, before that, I took over Ric Flair's channel, took over, built out, monetized um, uh, that March, April-ish. He, I think it was maybe May. He launched one uh, channel called 83 Weeks. That's the Eric Bischoff podcast. And then it was close to a year after that that he did an Arn Anderson podcast. And that's right. He did a Jim Ross podcast, but I didn't get my hands on that business until very recently. So now I'm up to six. Yeah. Not not including Ric Flair, because Ric Flair wanted a, wanted a YouTube page, but he didn't want to appear on it. So like I manage that page. So far as if you, like, you say terrible things in the comments and the spam filter doesn't get it, I make sure those things get deleted. Sure. But generally speaking, like I, I, manage, a, I manage a, regu- a wildly inactive page. So uh, get me verified, bro. What's up? <laughs> I can't get me verified on what? On Twitter. <laughs> I want to be verified. Oh, uh, do you want to actually, do you want to get in very quickly? That was another small win between, that was a small 2017 win that giant, before, before 2018, probably December 2017, Twitter had a form that you could submit complete with a copy of your, fo- a photocopy of your ID to apply to be verified and i had filled out the form infrequently in 2016 and then january january 1st 2017 i vowed 2017 will be the year also if you fill out the form and they say no you have to wait 30 days and you can fill out the form again instagram yeah so in 2017 the very first week in 2017 i vowed i steve kaufman 2017 will be the year that i either become verified or get rejected 12 times (laughs) (laughs) and it honestly didn't take me i think it was june or july of that year that they verified me probably because a i kept because they give you a big giant text prompt and i think early on i thought the text prompt was all about me 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 and i would get rejected and it wasn't until someone told me hey just you have a text prompt they're gonna read it make it about why the platform needs you to be verified and then I really thought about that and like took that to heart. And then I, it probably, I still probably had to try that three times, but then eventually I got accepted through the, through the verification program. It was about why a verified Steve Kaufman makes their channel better. Hmm. And I went on my way to name the photographer in Portland and the linguist in Canada. And like, you know, there, there, at the time there was like an SK fan zone. And I was like, I just want people to know that that ain't me. And it's just a retweet bot. But, yeah. like, stuff like that, and, like, I really made it, like, this, for the health of your platform, I should have a blue check mark. and then I got a blue check mark, which was really good, because December of 2017, I think they verified a bunch of literal Nazis, and then they took that form away. Yeah. So, if had they not verified me, I wouldn't have been rejected 12 times. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. that's... 
That's the, a cool thing, man, to say that you're verified on a platform and you know verified people. You're like you're in the mix, man. Yeah, I, I don't. That was a vanity thing. I'll be very honest. Yeah, I didn't take. If you look at very like, if you look at a lot of my like definitely pre LA tweets, I was not. T- I I didn't start taking this platform seriously till like. It's like I love dipping dots. Like <laughs> 20, <fire. laughs> 20, 2016. Like I yeah. for for the ten years I've been on that platform. I, ha- I hadn't been taking it seriously for maybe four or five of them. Fair enough. So, so you mentioned that like you you're doing this like digital producer slash like head of video thing, and a lot of our listeners are on the beginning of their journeys. There's something that they do. There's a passion there. They may be working on the Great American Novel, but they have a day job, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. they're folding their own T-shirts over at Hamilton. I guess the question I have for you is, how did you? How were you able to work a full day and have enough juice to work on you at night, the mornings, on weekends, to start that ball rolling for what eventually became your main source of revenue? It took six years. No, um, <laughs> give it I, up, guys. Five years. I I moved here in twenty. I moved into LA in twenty eleven, and I don't think I really felt like I had it all together. Probably not five years. Three or four years. So a little bit every day. Um, I also. And you and I both, you and I met at AfterBuzz TV, and AfterBuzz mm-hmm. TV to me was a, a constantly be productive. And productive doesn't mean your output needs to be what everyone tells you that your output needs to be. Productive only means you need to have an output you're happy with. Mm-hmm. And I, before AfterBuzz, was super unhappy with how much TV I was just watching, mm-hmm. not watching, not watching while exercising, not watching while working, not even watching while tweeting. Just watching. So what attracted me to AfterBuzz TV is, well, for an extra hour in, in a commute plus a show, like maybe an extra two hours per piece of content I watch, I actually make a piece of content that hires my um, stature in that industry. If AfterBuzz TV existed now and someone wasn't on there, I would teach them how to do what you're doing. Because... Mm-hmm. When I joined AfterBuzz TV, it wasn't as easy to just stream live and do a show as it was, as it was, as it is now. Right. So the question was, how do you work on yourself? And I think the answer is know who you are and what your tendencies are, and then know what you want, where you are and where you want to be, and then look at literally everything you do. From brushing your teeth to taking the taking the train taking the earlier train, and think, how can I be more productive and not productive in the like I make nine more widgets for someone else's profit? Productive for you. Mm-hmm. How do I make that money? Or how? In your head, you eventually can draw it back to money, but in sooner, it's like how? Well, if you're on the train and you're listening to a podcast, that should be a podcast that expands your mind a little bit or informs you a little bit, or, you know, I, there are a couple podcasts out there that are just for channel managers and YouTube people who want to, who are in like the, the bare bones of YouTube, how the platform functions. And like, if that's where you want to be, maybe you should spend some time listening to that content instead of, I, I don't know. What do people listen to now? Joe Rogan, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I make so, stuff. I listen to stuff. But like that's the thing. Like a podcast like your a podcast like yours, where very successful people come on and explain where they where they faulted, what they do. A podcast like uh, How I Built This is another great example. Ted Radio Hour. Like I could list them all. Yeah. Something like that. If you're already on the train, you're already going to listen to something instead of listening to Yellow Card again. 
which we've all like we've all had that we've all gone down that hole you listen to something that kind of furthers you so similarly if you're at the gym to make your body and your soul better your body mind and soul better instead of listen unless the song really amps you to a place where you do it better you, listening to something that'll expand your mind like an audiobook or a podcast there are little things like that that i've picked up in the last 10 years that any moment is a chance to be productive if you just redefine productive of course where yeah. i'm i i have some thumbnails to make for jim ross's channel later today and i think i have all the assets loaded up i think i'm just gonna do a quick stream where you see my face and then my my photoshop and then i'll just make the thumbnails and then i guess interact with the chat i haven't thought it i haven't thought it through yeah that's but pretty I'm, awesome yeah so I guess stream more is a 2021 goal of like be be myself out in the internet more. Be be earn that check mark. <laughs> wow, I, yo, I earned that check. I get you. Like I earned that check mark. I'm just messing with you, man. Uh, yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your insights, man. It's it's almost like it's like it all makes sense when you say it so matter of factly and so plainly, rather than me going like, "How is Steve doing everything?" But uh, if everyone wants to jump on to your brand, I mean, how can they follow you online, stalk your project, be one with the man, Steve Kaufman? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. I'm at Steve Kaufman. That is K A U F M A N N. I'm the verified one. I get what we've learned here. That's actually not true. There's there's a lingo Steve. He's a Canadian linguist. Spelled huh. the exact same way. He's at lingo Steve. I want to say he's also verified. I don't know because he blocked me. And you're about to ask why he blocked me. I don't know either. I got a feeling I know why. Because uh, <laughs> for a long time, I was at Flobo Boys on Twitter and at Flopito on Instagram. Still am. Uh -huh. I also got at Flobo Boys on Instagram for that reason. Because I wanted to change uh, my Twitter to at Flopito. And so people would try to tag me erroneously all the time that I would just start the, the other guy who owned at Flopita would block everything. Really? <laughs> that tagged him. That meant me. Yeah. <laughs> that might check out. I think it's, yeah. I don't know. I think also, cause every now and again, I'll get a tag. I'll get tagged in stuff that's him or there's a photographer in Portland who does yeah. really good work. Um, whatchamacallit. Uh, and I'll get tagged for, his stuff and he is at lingo steve on like everything including lingo steve.com but i own steve kaufman.com spelled spelled our way so maybe maybe he's a little slighted about that a lot of slighted <laughs> like that that dollar i i just jumped on that dollar a month earlier oh well it's, it's funny because i'm at flow beat on instagram because back in 2010 i was going to launch my website and flobo.com was taken by a dj in berlin <laughs> i was like Hey man, can I have that site? And he was like nine, so I just became <laughs> <Bobito>. <laughs> and just built the whole thing and brand around that. I mean, I will point out that when it comes to URLs, especially custom URLs, it doesn't shock me at all that something with that few characters is already taken. I had no whereas, idea. Whereas, like probably ten years ago, when I bought SteveKaufman.com, I would have been real bummed if somebody already jumped on it. Yeah, <laughs> where I'm like K A U F M A N N. You, someone really <laughs> bought that. Also, I wish I wish someone had taught me what I now know, which is the fewer characters, the better. That's why you can't get Steve.com. But when oh. someone comes out with, I'm going to type it in now. I'm, I know this is the outro part, but I'm just messing around. Um, Steve.tv, is that available? I think that might be, I think Steve.tv might be available. Better book it now before this goes live. <laughs> <laughs> or YouTube.com slash Steve. I don't know. This... This all feels like an off-air conversation. 
Well, come on back. I, I want to see you come Please. back. Please. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Steve Kaufman always makes you think about the other side of the art. You know, like when we create things in our mind and our, in our hearts and our souls, we really think about the work put into expressing ourselves, whether it, you're a painter or a writer. Uh, very often, a lot of us, we gotta get stuck in the commerce side, how to build a brand, how to build a platform, how to make a go, how to treat yourself as a business, the, the left brain side of everything and i think steve is a great resource for that so make sure you follow him over on his social media channels you know uh see how he is making it work for him that does it for me on this edition of new amsterdam radio by the time i get out of here my name is flobo boys you can follow me at flobo boys on twitter or at flobito on instagram say hi say hello like a couple of my posts that'd be greatly appreciated be back next week not sure i'm kind of torn of a couple ideas of a solo show that's been rattling in my brain or if you want to hear more guests let me know interact with new amsterdam at new amsterdam on instagram or at new underscore amsterdam on twitter both k-n-e-w but until next time as always the city is yours <laughs>